Welcome to Very Random Encounters, a show where we play pen and paper RPGs in which we've randomly determined as many things as possible, including characters, villains, names, places, and other weirder stuff. It all comes together to be a very random encounter. I'm after Travis. I'm after Lee. I'm after Logan. Hello. It's good to see you. Stop it. I'm after Greg. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Fellowship After Show. Hey. Did y'all have a good time being dorks? Fuck yeah. <laughs> you and Hell your fucking yeah. elves and shit. When did my elf <laughs> Take your goddamn feel? lunch money, you dork. <laughs> what none so of hurtful. us a dork. You're a dork for saying you're that. A, a... How about that, dweeb? Yeah. You're right. You caught me red-handed. Red-handed and big... Uh... <laughs> Big Frodo footed. Damn. <laughs> Damn sweet fuzzy feet. How do we wanna do we wanna do what? questions first or do who? What what was randomized? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we okay. start out with that. So uh some of it you already know because of the nature of fellowship with uh my having a character sheet like y'all. Um mm-hmm. so you know all the Calarin stuff, basically, so I don't feel like I need to go over that again. Um, the only, like, the big thing at the end, of course, was that I rolled uh, for Calarin's motivation that it's being controlled by an artifact, and I, when I, that was the first thing that happened, and I said, I know what that looks like in, <laughs> in our <laughs> multiverse of stories. <laughs> And Travis, it's the after show. You gotta let that sweet baby in. My cat? Yeah, I can let my cat in. Let's see. We'll <laughs> see how bad this goes. <laughs> oh, Harry, do you want to come and be on the podcast? <laughs> oh, you want to be on the podcast over here? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hope you like hearing that. Um, I do. Yeah. So I clearly had a choice to either have it be what that usually means and have an artifact be some sort of supernatural entity reaching through and controlling someone with mind control, as we've seen two previous times <laughs> in seasons of this show. We have a theme. <laughs> um, or I could say, no, I don't want to do that. I'll do something different. Um but the thing that swayed me was the other big part of the randomization uh, was that Fellowship has uh, evil plans for your overlord. You're supposed to have two, but I only ever had one um, because I thought two would complicate things a little too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'm get- now he wants to get out, I think. Hold on. Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> Like every cat. I need in, I need in, I need in, I need out. <laughs> this is Help not what I thought. So, Hate it here. So there's this whole concept of evil. Your, your overlord having an evil plan and fellowship, and you're supposed to have two concurrently so that you can advance one and kind of have one on the back burner, um, but I thought that might complicate things for the scope of what we were going for, so I just wanted one, and so I found an evil plan generator. Ooh. <laughs> And yeah, I'll just read this. Uh, your objective is simple, widespread misery. 
your motive is a little more complex. So, and my motive was, so another race can take over. And immediately upon seeing that, it made me say, okay, yeah, this Kalaren being controlled by an artifact thing has to be in the style of how it was previously established. Mm -hmm. Because that just makes a lot of sense for that uh, sort of previously established mechanic. So, stage one of the master plan. To begin (laughs) your plan, you must first kidnap a military general. This will cause the world to sit up and take notice, stunned by your arrival. Who is this unholy menace? Where did they come from? And why do they look so good in a corporate suit? (laughs) Oh, dang. That's good. So you heard corporate suit and probably thought the blossom, the inside blossom scene, and that's what it ended up being. But I actually didn't have that idea until the day we recorded that. (laughs) Uh, or maybe it was the day before. I originally had the corporate suit thing. It was originally going to be like, uh, there's another line later on that says, countless hordes of corporate suits will flock to you. And and so I was like, okay, so whatever the second, because the first army I rolled was the Titans, which is represented by Blossom, uh, and the, because Blossom's very large. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the second was Undead. So I thought, okay, the evil plan says corporate suits will flock to you, so I'll have the, like, undead who were rich be on Kalaren's side and everybody else just kind of be an undead person. And so I that was originally going to be how I put it together. Um, but then everything kind of clicked in my head and I realized how to do how to make Blossom work and how to fit it in with this and that corporate suit connection became a lot more important in that moment. Uh, let's see. It goes on to say, you will seize control of the Pyramids of Giza and you will... Bring about the destruction of the masses. Uh, this will all be done from an abandoned church. So abandoned church was Shrine of Destinies. Uh, just then the whole so another race can take over at the destruction of the masses was uh, Blossom overwriting everyone. That was a really cool interpretation of that. Yeah. The way I, the way I got, I, I kind of, I think a lot of people were, I, I'm probably preempting a question because I know people were wondering how Blossom ended up being the way that she was. I rolled that Kalarin had Kalarin's first general was a Titan um, and a stone Titan specifically. So I had the template of this large stone obstacle, this large stone general. And then when I was thinking about like another race taking over was my, was Kalarin's motivation. And I had the artifact and it was just, I had all these disparate things and I had to have some glue to put it all together. And so instead of rolling random stuff for Blossom, I just used Blossom as the puzzle piece that could connect all of those things. Yeah. Um, And that's what I came up with. In terms of Blossom's name, I rolled an AI generator and just got Blossom. And I was like, that doesn't sound computery enough. And then at the bottom of the generator, it said, uh, Art on this page, courtesy of something something one six one six, and I was like, okay, cool. I'll just put, I'll just make it blo- blossom sixteen sixteen. That sounds like that sounds cool. Oh, the last bit. Um, the reason blossom ended up being so technology focused is because when I rolled for what uh, god it was that was going to interface through the artifact, I got Tessus, uh, god of technology, and so that's and so I wanted and so blossom was like kind of my way of foreshadowing a lot of the Tessus and Covian stuff, even though they come up later, there's like 
there's enough groundwork laid that you, you can kind of feel their presence in a lot of ways. Yeah. And with Tessus, it was it said like his husband was the on the generator. It said that his husband was the god of time. So that kind of made it clear to me that like you know a technology god and a time god are trying to have their race of people take over yours. And I thought, what what was the way in which that made sense with the themes of technology and time? And I thought, like, crossing timelines through weird contraptions was probably the best way of interpreting that, that, that felt true to what those gods want. And then, yeah, that was it for, for my end, really. That's that was awesome. so cool. Yeah. yeah, it made such a good, like, not a total dweeb storyline of, like, <laughs> of, of, of you know like i think i think our show generally and maybe just tabletop role playing games period just like the currency is tropes right like yeah. all mechanics mm. are written based on tropes and then you like play within that space and like get out of it but this is like way out there it, it does not conform to <laughs> the standard fantasy plot line no. It was real good. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you did super great. I loved it. A plus. I yes. liked this system a lot. I did too. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I mean um, I did I... kickstart the whole thing again, so I will probably have it in house <laughs> real soon. I'll admit that I didn't there were a lot of systems in the game that we didn't really interface with. Um yeah. just by nature that's of that's true of like a lot of what we do how the, my style of running games, but um, I think the systems that are there, even the ones that I didn't choose to really highlight, are all really good, and, and they are they all feel really intentional in a way that I really appreciate. Do we want to go through and talk about our characters? Is that sure. what we normally do? Yeah. Who, who first? Mm. I don't know what to talk about. Do we have questions? <laughs> do we have questions about them <laughs> that can help? We have questions. There are some where they specifically asked oh, about the characters. Yeah, yeah let's start um, before there. We, we can... Well, before we start with the characters, um, I have a big-ass note up here to ask Logan about the music. Oh, yeah, the music. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, so Travis and I... So, like, in the first season and the second season, like Marvel and then Cthulhu... Well, D&D &D and Marvel was all... You mean? Yeah. Yeah. D and D and Marvel was all me, and then Cthulhu was all me too, right? Or well, we used no, some nineteen twenty all... stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so that's when we started. Like, okay, we can use a theme of of songs. Uncharted Worlds, I think, was mostly me, maybe. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we've so it takes a long time to make music, y'all. I've yeah, it does. I've figured that out. Hmm. But there's also like a. I don't even know how these websites make money, honestly, but the, you can just use music for your podcast. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of uh, Creative Commons artists out there. Whether So this time we used a lot of different sources. There are some more so early in the season um, when it's kind of, when it was before things kind of got dire, um, the sort of more, uh, the happier music, I suppose, mm -hmm. uh, was... Uh, classical music that's so old it, it's not copyrighted and so there's a lot of recordings of it that are just um, people record and immediately put in the public domain for that reason um, I also had that for TAC uh, handing off the certificate as well oh yeah we had two artists 
which was Ilya Marfin and the other one too. Uh, uh, most brass. Most brass. Yeah. Uh, Ilya Marfin was like the general, like they make a lot of songs that sound very fantasy and then most brass sounds silly. And most brass uh-huh. is basically whenever tack is on screen or it's like an important tack moment, then it, it's most brass. Cause tack was really, I think, He's a big part of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and that character was was not. He, I didn't randomly roll anything about tech. It's just <laughs> like you were like, oh, I want to talk to one of the skeletons, and, <laughs> and I was like, okay, here's here's just a random dude I can make up. I know that, you know, I know that you're like. I was like, okay, you're by like a college, we'll say, because that's where you were in the town. So I'll just get a college frat dude and. <laughs> And then obviously he became a lot more than that as he became like a main player. But there's uh so on the subject of tech, there is a question from Lavender mm-hmm. that says wheels. How long had you planned on tech being trans? Was it from his inception or decided later? It was not from his inception, but it was pretty soon after that. Um, like once he started being an important character, I wanted. All of the player characters have very strong connections to their homes and to their pasts and to, and in that sense, to their identities. Um, And it felt really remiss to be telling all of those stories and not include a trans story of similar caliber, just by the nature of our show. And, but also just that, like, Trans people have a very different, not always, but often trans people have a very different um, understanding and relationship with family and with history. So I kind of wanted to at least put that on screen for for one scene. It just felt right considering the other themes we were exploring in the season. Yeah. So what about his uh, foosball certificate? Was that, I just (laughs) assumed that that was a random role. Was it always going to be foosball? I rolled... Um, trinkets. Um, one was, and it was what you heard me describe. It was like a journal, a toad statue, and then a, and then a a ward of some kind. And so I just made it the, and so I was like, okay, I can use this award as a conceit to be talking about his transness. Mm -hmm. Um, like it didn't say what the award was, but I didn't want to have the, the like really awkward turns to camera and says, I am trans because like, I mean, I mean, not that there's anything inherently bad with that, but it often feels fake. It often feels. Yeah. Yeah. um, Cause no one does that. Yeah. I mean, people do, but like it, it, but in media, it, it takes you out of it in, in a way sometimes. And so I wanted to, I wanted to have that come up a little more naturally. And I thought the award was like a, like the certificate was a, Easy way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And was it always foosball? Uh, foosball, yeah, I just made that up. That wasn't part of the <laughs> randomness. <laughs> That's wild. I, if, if, there was, if there was one thing in the season I was certain was a certain random roll. Was, was, was a roll. I thought foosball for sure was a roll. I think the thing in this season that's probably the most surprising that it is random is the Pyramids of Giza. Yeah. That that was just in the master plan. <laughs> Because that just seems like something that I would have made up. Hmm. But no, 
It's in there. In terms of our characters, starting out with like a more general question, Jay asks, uh, Lee's choice of voice for a character this season really surprised me in a good way. How do y'all go about figuring out character voices? How much thought do you invest in them beforehand versus on the fly? Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I have two voices. One is me, louder or softer. And the other one is me, real Southern. That's <laughs> so, uh, not true. In Mothership, you had a very good yes, British accent. You did. <laughs> I had something. I don't know yeah, if <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> There's also something to be said for it. voices that you can do but right. are taxing to do. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. If you're going to be committing to a full season, it's like it's got to be a voice that you can really sit down mm-hmm. in. And I'm also not good at remembering what voice I've done. So like, <laughs> I mean, it has to just be a variation of my own voice because I can't, I, th- no, it would never happen. So yeah, mine are absolutely on the fly. I open my mouth, something comes out. I'm like, well, that's the voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's tough. Like we decided to pick a tough thing where we have new characters every time with <sighs> new voices. Oh, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. We had the initial conversation of hey let's start a podcast together <laughs> and y'all got to the part where we had to do voices and I was like oh, I'm out y'all gonna have to find somebody else <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no thank you <laughs> I like but that's the thing like it's fine to have really you listed you know three or four four voices because like you softer is a voice you mm-hmm. louder is a voice and it's just I think that especially in just an audio medium to have a clear identifier of like, this is when the character is talking and this is not when the character is talking. It doesn't matter if we like repeat them or if it's just a version of our voice, if, as long as it's distinguished from our normal speaking voice, which yours always have been, it's fine. Yes, it is fine. It is also not as (laughs) cool and interesting as what y'all do. (laughs) <laughs> oh whatever <laughs> I, have I, mean, to, I have to wow with my words not with yeah, how I say them I mean, and you do. do you always do you always do <laughs> Janro's voice was based off of the fact that I got the air so I hadn't thought about Janro's voice until she was created and the air part and so initially I was going to go more towards oh, the Queen air with an voice. I was like what the fuck is yeah, air with an H. I want to talk like this. <laughs> so I was going to do much more of an affected Queen Amidala voice from Star Wars. Mm. And quickly realized that not only does she not use that a lot in the movies, because yeah. it's real tough, that it got real hard to do. Um, so I made a different choice. I wanted Jandro to start very much more formal and proper like her upbringing and then towards the end have her still have a little bit of that but be much more free and mm-hmm. a little bit more relaxed so like i thought about like depending on where she went it'd be much more of an arc that way as she got more comfortable in that role but yeah mm-hmm. like it was 100% the fact that genra was supposed to be the heir to the halfling empire that sort of was like oh i need a more royalty raised proper voice to start and then we'll see where we end up that's cool for etho i so 
uh, I can wow with my weird voice. <laughs> so I literally like. <laughs> this is gonna sound so stupid. Like this is this is the weirdest flex, but okay. Uh, <laughs> I just think about words like okay, she's young, she is passionate and very confident, and then I'm like, all right, I talk like this, and then that's uh-huh. just that's just it. I just think of like three adjectives <laughs> and then there's a voice <laughs> i ooh, i love doing voices i don't know if you probably can tell i love doing yeah. really adventurous ones mm-hmm. which is why this season i had a vi- i was very excited to be running the game to be playing like this villain who plays you know because of the nature of the game who plays a pretty uh important role um mm-hmm. to be able like because I don't want to be uh I've made the mistake before of uh doing a really adventurous voice that on a podcast uh that made uh people, maybe some even on this podcast, stop listening to it. Shout out to Baruch, uh last of the real ones. Um, so so this 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 season gave me the excuse to like do the most grating voice that I've always wanted to do but never did because I don't want to subject people to that like as a main character mm-hmm. um but to have it have a place where it really fits and man it's fun doing those uh metalcore screams um but also just in terms of other voices I I like modulating my voice in so many different ways um I don't know I I I like making my vocal folds do things they shouldn't. <laughs> Same. I I, I did not think about Mock and Lenora until suddenly it became, oh, I have to speak for Mock you know, and we, Lenora. We gave you so much shit for how Mock is just Carol, but <laughs> Mock is such a weirdo, and he does have a yeah. consistent voice, and it's good. Okay, <laughs> so Mock is 100% based off of the... Workers from Warcraft, when you click on them, uh, work, work. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I was like, what do I do? Work, work. That's what popped in my head. That became mock, like, immediately. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I have to do this for a lot, a lot more words than work. <laughs> okay. You got jobs. You got done. Done. You got- <laughs> jobs done. <laughs> So kind of in the same vein, we have one from Wiley that is the editing. Yes. (laughs) Yep. Speaking of editing. (laughs) 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 The editing around the voice effects for Ziggy are just so clean. Are Ziggy's lines coming straight out of the recorded conversation or did you have to do pickups? I don't know what that means. All right. This has been much talked about on Discord and... Tell us Drum what pickups roll. means. The... Pickups means you do it later. You oh. record it after the fact. Oh, okay. Well, I know the answer then. Those lines were j- just read, just normal. It's all normal. I guess I'm good at talking. <laughs> I mean, sometimes to they were pickups. They were pickups in the like. So okay. So one question that we saw in the Discord was who does Ziggy's voice because there's so many layers of uh, effects on them. It is Logan. Mm-hmm. Then the other question was, is Logan doing them all live and? With one exception, well, two exceptions. With two exceptions, yes, Logan is doing them all live. One exception is the character introduction, because all those are pickups. Mm-hmm. 
the second is the long conversation between Ziggy and Etho when they fuse that was recorded afterwards. We knew that we knew that heartfelt in mind conversation was going to be put there. We just sent Logan off to record it yeah. later. <laughs> Logan was like, this I, is what it what it's kind of about. I'm gonna record yeah, it later. <laughs> yeah. I, and like on the like yeah, that means that they are pickups, but then also like their conversations between me and myself, and they are all done in one take still. I know I can't like prove. Oh, wow, that you or did anything. that in one take. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think so, huh? Yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I've never done anything solo in one take ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. You did a you did a shadow and Layla scene flawlessly. The first conversation that they have. Well, that but, but she but said that solo, right? Just yeah. Anything oh, that I've recorded saying, myself yeah. and sent to y'all has been right, laboriously right. Re- erased and redone. <laughs> it's weird because like the most perfect monologues in the show are definitely you not having <laughs> know, rehearsed and but just it's because like, I'm talking Bam. to y'all. Yeah, I it yeah. I don't I'm not talking to anybody, and there's something about that. My brain is just like, shh. shh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Stop. What are you doing? There's nobody here to hear your beautiful words. I'm going to try talking to this bison on my wall now, though. Uh. I have a little stuffed bison. He's so cute. Oh. Oh. Oh, wait. I'm supposed to read. Okay, on on Ziggy. I have to go. Oh, yeah. As if. That's. (laughs) Gag me with a spoon. Um, so, uh, this is still Wiley. All three characters in the Fellowship carry a serious amount of loss, either personally or generationally. Obviously, there's stuff that comes from the random generation and certainly the premise of the game and the central narrative pillar of the Overlord. But everyone did a heartfelt job internalizing those different losses into their performances. I'm just curious if the cast pulled from any references, experiences, or histories to inform that. That's deep. That's heavy. Yeah, I mean, nothing as bad as what <laughs> yeah. happened to Etho has happened to me. I, I'm privileged in, in that. Like, having two sets of genocide for both sides of your family would be pretty rough. <laughs> um, I mean, I the closest thing I have is that I d- tend to date older guys and I've had so I've had a lot of people in my life that were really heavily affected by the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. So I have that's that's something. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's this is like too heavy to think about. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, but it's yeah, I mean it's like all of those all of those things come into play. And like yeah. this season had like the season was light in a lot of ways, but it dealt with a lot of heavy topics. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. just on my even just on my end, like with how many of y'all's characters dealt with loss of ancestors or loss of homeland or needing to be migrants in the case of the halflings, like being refugees in the case of the halflings. I wanted I wanted to paint the blossom and the rewriting stuff as like every when we think of like Americans, you know, settling like or sorry, when we think of Europeans settling in America, the narrative is like you know, like escaping religious persecution and that's like true to an extent. Sort of. But also they're 
colonizers whose arrival wiped out the native population uh, nearly, both on purpose and by accident through disease. And there's, and so I want, and like, but in their eyes, they're no different than the halflings, right? Like in, in their eyes, they're no different than migrants escaping a terrible fate, but there is a difference. And I kind of wanted to use the Blossom stuff to make that distinction between being a refugee and mm-hmm. being an, an imperialist. Janro mm-hmm. being rolled as a determined survivor. So I will say that the initial thoughts about what that means does come from a person who did live through the AIDS crisis and came out the other side and looking around. Like, I've talked about this elsewhere, but like when I go to gay events or gay bars, like our generation was already the smallest and then a lot of us didn't survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I go to those spaces, I often feel like there's nobody here. <laughs> that's like me and I'm here. I'm allowed to be here on the good graces of the people who came after me. And that's a lot of the initial thought of when I was writing the sort of backstory of the halfling. So Janro's first speech was sort of based off of a lot of those feelings of we survived. We don't have a place to belong. uh, And we are just like, gestures and chefs and things to make other people happy until we finally either go or have a place to call our own. Um, mine, I, this probably comes up more on our Patreon VRP podcast than it does in the main podcast, but you know, like I, I've had a pretty rough, um, upbringing and early adulthood. And now like I, I'm the complete opposite. I have like a crazy good life. So um, I feel like I have a lot of, I can pull from a lot of places really. Um, It also, this season for me was a weird one because so we probably recorded over something like 20 weeks probably if we had 16 episodes and some weeks we didn't record Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so for 13 of those what i was in severe pain and then seven of those i've been recovering from back surgery (laughs) so yeah so you know (laughs) a lot of real pain to draw on there yeah yeah so um yeah i mean there's been episodes where like I use Bluetooth a Bluetooth headset. Like I just walk away because I need to walk, I need to move, I get like stiff or in pain. And um so like I can't react as much to what's happening, but I can hear it all. I'm just like wandering <laughs> off. So yeah, I I this season has been really fun and really distracting, but also like distracting from my pain, but also kind of hard to like I was really worried about this season when Travis said that they were going to do one that was like, and then y'all get to come up with all the everything. And I was like, oh, God, how am I going to do this? But, you know, I mean, it just comes like once you get started, it just sort of flows out of you, you know, or it does for me. I don't know if that's true for everybody. Yeah, I think once once you get a sense of who that character is. 
Like mm-hmm. the the story fills in as you make your own logical connections about how you're playing them. Both like if you see this person as a rebel figure, then you sort of know that the society they came from are big supporters of the thing that you're rebelling against, you know? So like once you figure out who they are, the questions about the society they came from get a little bit easier to mm-hmm. answer. Yeah. I definitely feel like when I'm making backstories for all of my characters, I have to like actively work towards not just making them all grimdark. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to avoid grimdark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I did want to talk about the note of the sort of world generation being on our, all of our shoulders this time, and I'd loved it. Um, yeah, I, I, I did too, actually. Like so much of the color of this season came from that. Like, you know, I had my I had my two little nations. I had the orcs and the gnolls, uh, and then I had all of the Calarin, Blossom, uh, Covian, and Tessa stuff. But like. Other than that, and like the bones of the plot, it was all collaborative, and that was so cool and really fun. And I think I, I was I was worried that it was going to, because it was the first time we had done something like this, that it would be too much of a hodgepodge. But it, we were all on the same page of like what type of story we wanted to tell, and then we told it, and I think yeah. it it really worked in a way that I was really happy with. Uh, yeah, I thought it I thought it was super successful, mm-hmm. and. In fact, I, you know, sorry, Lee, but the next season's going to be a lot like that, too, where I'm leaning on everybody. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Like, I, I'm not mad. I, it's just where I was at the time because that yeah, was pre-surgery. Yeah. So I was, like, yeah. not in a good headspace. Well, I think all of us were a little bit like, oof, is this going to really slow mm-hmm. down everything? Are we going to have to stop yeah. a lot and, like, discuss? But. I think sometimes at the beginning. Yeah, like, we did yeah. a little at the start, like, but once we figured out how we all fit together, I think we got we got into a really good rhythm that that it really didn't slow us down much. Like we could ask the questions and say, "Hey, this is the answer," you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and this what you're talking about now, Travis, um, mostly answers a question from Ryan that was. Um, a GM often has to deal with the player's actions, throwing a wrench and everything they have prepared. How was planning different for the season, knowing that the players could essentially change the lore of the entire world at any point? <laughs> this is a que- the general question of like, oh, how much was prepared or what was the character action that derailed your plans the most is like, a. I don't want to say like, oh, it's such a common question. I don't want to insult the question because it's a, uh, it's a really fair and interesting one, and it's one that I ask people too, but it's one that I never feel like I have that great of an answer to because I'm not that type of GM. Um, you know, I told you, like, I figured out the Blossom stuff, like, a day before we got to mm-hmm. it. My my general strategy when I'm running games is know the overarching themes you want to address know the characters and what they want and then know what the next session is going to look like. And that's all you need because that first thing about knowing the themes keeps you, you'll have, if you, if you constantly have in mind, like what themes you want to address or what kind of story you want to tell, you'll nudge things naturally towards the conclusion that you would have gotten to had you written it or (laughs) what you rather you would have gotten to had you, had you written it all together um, so in that sense, like, 
this style of play didn't really affect me very much or affect my preparation really at all, other than I could be like, oh, maybe Kalarin is a dragon, because before Kalarin was just some stats on a page, but then because it fit really well with Etho, and that's what, and it was like, there was the the bond that Etho rolled with Kalarin, and then fleshing out what dragons are gave me some info for Kalarin, so it really just helped me because I had all of these other wells to pull for, and like the Star Elf family thing was fun to pull on and then the halfling religion like having Ean and gamros like made the tessus and covian stuff feel more real and justified like it's pretty clear from the if you listen to the intro monologue to the finale that like whatever universe timeline world whatever you want to call it that they're in is being eaten by gamros or at least like to the extent that the halflings understand cosmology 100% right, that's basically what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. And, like, that wouldn't have been in there had it not been for Greg telling me what halflings believe about religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, like, I don't know, it's details like that that make a world feel real as opposed yeah. to just written. Yeah. Like, the I mean, the point of an RPG is to collaboratively tell a story. So, mm-hmm. in my mind, this question of, like, and I see it all the time, and it's, like, very meme to say... Like, all my plans were thwarted by the players. <laughs> but, like, if you have plans that are so rigid that they, that, like, you're going to be angry at a player for doing something that you didn't yeah. expect, then I don't think you're. You like, don't quite grasp the end, the, what GMing is or should be. Or you're limiting, or you're be. at least limiting the potential of the story. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the second part of that question is. For Logan Lee and in his rightful place at the end of the list, Greg, how much Yay. did your brain want your character to play towards its traditional tropes and how much wanted to create something new and unique? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't ingest a lot of fantasy. I mean, I've seen Lord of the Rings 20 years ago. It was big I for don't you back have then. A good movie. I mean, yeah, like I read the book and I liked it, but... Um, Again, my memory capabilities are no, 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 not there. And so it's not something I care about now. And so, like, yeah, I can remember liking it, but I don't remember m- now much about it. So, yeah, I mean, I was like, Star Elves, cool. That's not anything I've heard <laughs> of. It'll be my own thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and obviously there are some things like the elf eyes. yeah. And the thing with dwarves, but that didn't come up. So, you know, I don't, well, like, I didn't I mean, have trouble. Like I said before, we sort of traffic in the RPGs and this show traffic in, like, leaning on tropes as, you know, shortcuts to storytelling and things that everyone understands. And then you are beyond that understanding. We, like, play with it, and then you have a fun thing. Like, you... <laughs> Yeah, like I tried to avoid as many tropes as I could for halflings, like halfling, hobbit tropes. But there are certain things that are built into the rule system, like when you do something mm-hmm. sneaky, you get to do this, and you and you, you know, they like yeah, food my a lot, el- my elf know? eyes were built into it, so yeah, yeah. and so some like of that's just there. Some of it's there, but we, I think I definitely wanted to play with that more, which is why I took certain things when leveling up, like. Lived in a shoe is less tropey than a lot of other things. 
And I thought that was a far more interesting choice than like bottomless belly, which, you know, is very, very tropey or talk mm-hmm. nonsense. So I sort of, mm-hmm. as we were developing, I like, I don't mind having the tropes there for shortcuts and stuff, but like I deliberately wanted to make choices that made things more interesting and less tropey. Mm-hmm. Ethos stats are pretty much just like badass dragon but yeah i i do think that we went in like goofy places with them like her immunity to fire actually just is that she can eat very spicy foods Mm -hmm. and strength of 100 being translated to janro is one of my favorite scenes (laughs) so funny janro's giant arm there's that punch the elven superiority one that we were just like, oh, that just means I like taking care of animals. <laughs> yes. I, I like yeah. taking care of other creatures. <laughs> yeah. Because that there was no way that I was going to be able to play a character like that. Yeah. Let's all agree that the trope of fantasy racism is like bad. Done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't it's need over. it. There's no. When I thought it was very cool to be able to tell a fantasy story where humans were really on the periphery um, mm-hmm. in a lot of senses for that reason, because when you start having like, Oh, these are the, these are the humans. And then these, these are the subhumans. Uh, that's when you get into. Yeah. These are the default and these are the not yes. default. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, um, you run into some, uh, bad thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you you start echoing race science in a terrible way. Yep. I also wanted to, I wanted to make like the other races just like all cooperate with one another. It was like there is this evil which is Kalaren, and everyone else tries their best to cooperate with each other. There are maybe some economic things that make it difficult. There are differences of opinion, but in general, like. We're all in this together <laughs> because that's a type of that that's that's a fantasy that I like thinking about a world where um people of 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 difference um understand each other and and live in harmony is much more interesting mm-hmm. yeah of a fantasy to me, so that's what I wanted with and I also didn't ever want to describe the gnolls or the orcs visually, so I just never did. One, because they're not really the center of the story, so I want to keep the focus on the player characters, but also I wanted those two races to... Orcs already have a very troubling uh, history with Tolkien and like the things that he was trying to emulate and the way that he did it was pretty profoundly racist, so I didn't want to... I didn't want to ground them in physicality and, and risk making that... Uh, falling into that mistake just because of the gravity of how tropes work. So I just didn't give them description at all. And maybe that's a cop out, but I don't know. I think it worked. I don't, I, I don't think that any of the, the races of people in this setting felt like the, the less than thing that's, that's so yeah. common. In, yeah. In Everything just seemed like people just trying to get by doing their thing, working together. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like that's that's interesting. I'm I'm I fully agree with you. Like it's that is the interesting story. The interesting story is not that elves don't like dwarves, just as a rule. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's 
It can be funny occasionally because it's yeah. a thing we all have a touchstone of. Right. Like, mm-hmm. it's a shortcut but, for comedy. Yeah. And often that comedy is handled poorly. Yeah. And like, I mean, like, the best, the best jokes of that were told in the text, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, this season was so good, and I loved it. And I do think we probably have to start wrapping this up. But so Jenna asks, I was wondering what the most difficult part of making the podcast is for you all, whether in game or out of game, whether in game or out of game. I'm asking in regard to all seasons, but especially for this season, where I am so curious how robots get tied into a Lord of the Rings-esque universe with a dragon with water powers. It sometimes seems like there are such convoluted combinations of things, character creation or world-related, that it would be very tricky to pull in all of the pieces. And then she goes on to say some really nice things about us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I will say from... I think the hardest part is for me is when I'm initially planning a season and I roll all the things is just sitting down and thinking, what does this mean? And then what does this mean as far as a story that I'm interested in telling? But then once that's decided, I think the rest of it comes to us pretty naturally now. I think Lee summed up the whole show really well. And I th- I think it was a, VRP, but it might have been that one time that we did like the making the show, the learning episode thing, but it was just making the show. Uh, but anyway, that like we're all not just us hosting the show, but every humans are really suited to auto complete a story. Uh, mm-hmm. And so random elements get rolled, and then you're like, oh, but this probably means that there are robots and that dragon has water powers. <laughs> The funny thing is that the things that Jenna points out as being specifically strange are the things that that was the glue that I used to tie the other (laughs) things together in this case. It was like, okay, I have a god of time, a god of machines, a dragon that wants to kill everything, an amulet that is controlling that dragon and something about another race taking over. And it's like, those things don't sound wacky and and wild but you put them all together and it takes some wacky and wild things to make them fit and that's where most of the strangeness came yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think it's just getting comfortable with improv (laughs) like Mm -hmm. getting comfortable with being able to say i'm gonna run with this idea and us all being at this point very trusting in each other to go on that journey and i think it doesn't feel hard anymore. Like, I think when we first started, like, when I first did the Marvel season, I'm like, oof, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Um, I still, like, I'm still, like, oh, we only a couple more weeks till I have to take them to root. Huh? <laughs> uh. <laughs> so I think the hardest part is planning because you mm-hmm. just sort of, I think, I think each of us have a fear that. Our season's going to go horribly wrong, and this is the one oh, yeah. that breaks it apart, and this is the one that goes down. Absolutely, I down always, the toilet yeah. definitely. Um, and then, especially, it's like I, it's like, uh, and every season we do so well, and it's right. like, damn, I can't. How am I supposed to stop that? <laughs> my my answer for what the hardest thing is, is is different though. For me, it's editing the episodes that I absolutely want to get perfect. Mm. When whether it's because 
There were episodes, this season, Logan and I, I think we both really stepped up our production game. Um, hey. And there are times in this season, especially, but in other seasons, too, where the decisions that we're making are so micro that, like, every chunk of time takes so long to edit. Like, I'm there are instances in this season when I'm adding a little bit more silence mm-hmm. to make a line land really well. Mm. Um, and every time I do that, I have to, I have to like make the decision. What is the optimal time for <laughs> Greg's line to come in here where it really lands? Mm-hmm. And how can I rearrange this so that the, so that the conversation really works with the music cues? How can I like spending so much time just finding music that fits the mood of the scene that takes so long. Um, and when I'm doing episodes that have a lot of that and they have a lot of vocal effects, it's like. I have to do it in chunks. It takes me so long to edit. Whereas like a, a lighter episode that doesn't have that much of that doesn't take super long. But the, the sort of big episodes where important things happen that I want to get right, those take a long time. Y'all are some kind of wizards. We are. You're right. It's all magic. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, for, for instance, like this, this, we've record, we recorded for about an hour and it'll probably take one of us two hours to edit it. And... Because I'm basically I'm just gonna go through and cut out all of the silence and it's fine. The rest of it is fine. Whereas in one of the actual episodes, I have to make so many decisions about effects and stuff that it's probably gonna take me like four to five times the length of the thing to edit it. Yep. <laughs> well, let me tell y'all what my the hardest part for me is because and y'all just hush and listen. Yep. It's that I don't do jack shit for this show. I really don't. And I like the emotional baggage I carry because I feel like I don't do anything, which is so stupid because I'm like, oh, I don't do anything and I feel bad about it. But like it is it is it is what's hard for me about the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) If you wanna if you want me to teach you how to edit, I can do it. Nope. I don't. <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> but that's the thing. <laughs> because, again, and we've had this conversation, but, you know, I just, I, my back is better, and that's great, but my back was a new element to this chronic pain thing that I have going on. And, like, I'm just not in a place where I feel, I just get too stressed out. I mean, I, have, I just, I... I'm not, I'm weak. I'm a weak person and I can't. Uh, and so uh, incorrect. That's false. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I false. could say that's false right there. Okay, fine. But either way, um yeah, no, like I do exactly as much as I can do, which is like I show up and I, I do a character and I don't really think about it much after the show's over. <laughs> and then <laughs> the the real the real secret, the re- we're pull it. We're parting the curtain behind the curtain that's already parted because it's the after show. And the answer is that even though I just said that editing important episodes is the hardest thing, I want to edit yeah, these. I love it. <laughs> I love yeah. doing yeah. it. It's I mean, it's definitely work, and there's no way around that. But mm-hmm. I really enjoy it, and I feel so great when the it's episode. It's the most goes important out. creative outlet in my life. Yeah, it fucking bangs when you get a really good. Yeah. One. It's definitely important for me too to do this, but I also like for my own 
sanity, the only time I think about or do anything for the show is when I'm standing here in my podcast <laughs> closet. And then I walk out and I'm like, what show? What are y'all talking about? <laughs> Except not yeah. really, because we text each other and talk. But like I don't I don't spend a lot of time thinking about my characters. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about what I'm gonna do or say or what happened or I just don't. I mean, and it's not because it doesn't I don't matter because it works. Yeah. Like wh- whatever you do is working. Yeah, so. yeah. Absolutely. Because it's not that I don't care. It's just that that's the way I need to do. It. If I spend a lot of time thinking about it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck it up. <laughs> well, you're okay. I know for sure. I speak for everybody when I say your contributions are invaluable and enough, <laughs> and you don't need to worry about that. And I know well, that's not gonna help you. at all. Yeah, I know. But... <laughs> I appreciate hearing the words. <laughs> And you know, I do. Uh, I do the after show questions. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and I she do. She said to herself. Yeah, <laughs> I do have a um, a season rolling around in my head that I hope to do, and it may not happen in 2019. But you know, it. I'm gonna Whatever get there. You feel. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think I speak for all of us when I say, I think this is done, this after show. It's It's been too long. It's so done. All right. If you listen this far, you really like our show. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. you. Truly, consider backing us on Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, isn't this where we announce the next thing, usually? God, it is so fucking exciting. And... (laughs) Root, the game, the board game that's like won a billion awards and is the number one hotness on Board Game Geek for forever is coming out with an RPG. They're start they're gonna have a Kickstarter soon for that tabletop role playing game. And you know what? Very Random Encounters is gonna be playing that game before yeah. it's out there as a preview. Cause I love that game so much and oh my god. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I bring one skill to the show. Talk about root for people who don't know anything about it. Like what? So it's like uh, you're like little mousies. Yeah, you're little. Well, you're not necessarily a mouse, but you are yeah. a small woodland critter, a small to medium sized woodland critter. Although all of the critters are the same size, but you know, it's like there's yeah, yeah. foxes yeah. are in there and also mises. So you're gonna be those. You all are going to be vagabonds in that world, which we'll we'll talk yeah. about what that actually means for the very yeah. encounter season. But you're going to be these critters that are in a large forest where there are a bunch of clearings that sort of represent a city and all like there's like 15 clearings and the whole place is being ruled by cats. It's like the Marquise de Cat. But that leadership is up for grabs because Hmm. there are many factions vying for control of the forest and you will be characters in a world that is in that forest and the shit's going to go down because people are like the birds hate the cats. The birds want their land back. There's weird lizards. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. The board game's really, really fun. And my favorite thing about the board game is Kyle Farron is the artist and you see this, this art and you're immediately like transported into yeah, you're you're like, transported like to the wall. root world. Yeah. Red wall, yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, after interstitial and after interstitial season two and this season of VRE, I 
tired of running games. I'm excited to just be a player. <laughs> tell me I'm a tell me I'm a donkey and I'm happy. I don't yeah. give a shit what I am as long as I'm not running the thing. I'm so happy. All right, great. You're an ass, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Another another thing. By the time this episode goes up, there will be you know uh, more enamel pins in our shop. One is from this season and features Ziggy and Tack, and it says "Be in Dead Rules." And you know yeah. what? It glows in the dark. It's real so, good. It's that's good. Super cool. And then there's the another. The other pin is e- the eagle badge, like written in papyrus, yeah. two eagle <laughs> emojis want, on each side. I and, need that pin. Yeah, I do. I love eagle. It's so cheesy. <laughs> My design contribution to the show. <laughs> Woo! Hey, there you go. There's a contribution. <laughs> I did run a whole season. It just, I just didn't it like did it. a really popular one. I know. It's so everybody, bad. everybody loved it except you. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. I'm gonna. It just y'all wait. Y'all just, just y'all wait. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening. We love you. Welcome to Very Random Encounters, a show where we play what? pen and paper, art, no, just kidding. The, what? I thought Don't Travis I still get it. Travis still gets oh, does it. Travis You're thinking still of very, Sorry, sorry. I am. I'm thinking of VRP. That's the next, that's the next <laughs> that's episode. The next I was jumping ahead. Time jumper. Looper.